We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome into another edition of the Three Mob Podcast. I am John Kurtz, joined by Cole Manbeck and Derek Young. You know Derek from K-State Online, Cole Manbeck, former K-State beat writer for the Manhattan Mercury. We have a very special announcement that we would like to make here heading into this pod before we get into everything basketball recruiting, football recruiting, because it's pretty hot and heavy on both fronts right now. We would like to thank our latest sponsor. We have signed a six-figure deal with Glowball. So thank you to Glowball for their support once again. Uh, no, wait, I'm just kidding. Wrong guy. That was Antoine Davis. We'll get to Glowball later. Uh, we do seriously want to thank Holiday Distillery and 360 Vodka, though. Plus their new bourbon that uh, I just saw, our guy BJ, uh, who runs everything here at KCSN. I saw he was getting a little uh, taste test of the bourbon that's coming out. So you'll have to hit up BJ to find out his review. But spoiler alert, I saw that he said it was uh, pretty great. So whatever it is that you're celebrating, hook it up with Holiday Distillery, 360 Vodka, the new bourbon that is coming out. Uh, lots of great stuff, and they support us here on the pod, which we appreciate greatly. Guys, it's a, it's a mixed bag. Football recruiting was great over the weekend. K-State landed four players that you're going to see in purple the upcoming season at areas of need. But unfortunately, this uh, long, winding recruitment of Antoine Davis came to an end, and it came to an end with him staying at Detroit Mercy to play for his father. Now, this was one of the most like wild, topsy-turvy recruitments I can remember in a long time where you asked BYU people leading up to this. They were thinking it was going to be K-State. All of us were thinking it was going to be BYU. We thought Maryland was gone. Jeff Goodman comes in and says it's Maryland and BYU. And then Antoine Davis says, no, that's actually not the case. Like, I don't know where that came from. Then we find out about a global sponsorship 20 minutes before the, the announcement is supposed to drop. And everybody thinks it's BYU, like it's Jimmer Fredette's company. And then all told, he's staying at Detroit. Um Let's just get your initial reactions here. D.Y., you, you start first. Your initial reaction to uh, the wild saga that was the Antoine Davis recruitment. It, it was wild. That's, I guess, my initial reaction. We used to think, you know, there were some recruitments of like five-star football players that were pretty, you know, bizarre a few years ago, maybe like five or six years ago. We were like, oh, man, I love recruiting. And we've really taken that to the next level in the modern era because ever, there's so many recruitments that are much like that and so many that are now affected by name, image, and likeness. So it's just, uh, you know, it was a product of the bizarre recruiting world that we're currently living in. I will say, uh, this is going to be more of a pat on my own back here, on our last podcast, and I think I wrote about it several times, I said the, the swerve that I could see was them staying at Detroit. So. Yeah. 
that's ultimately what happened. Um, I do think BYU was a much larger player than any of us were considering um, in our last last podcast. I don't think we gave them enough credit for where they were. And I think that was indicative of, you know, the sponsorship being or the endorsement, whatever you want to call it, the marketing deal being tied to Jimmer Fredette's company. I think that's an indication that BYU was solidly. Okay. Do, do, we, do we know for sure that that was Jimmer Fredette's company? Is that. He, he certainly made it sound like it too, because then he got pretty involved in the last hour before Antoine's decision as well. And it seemed like he was under the impression that BYU was still going to get him it, at that point. It did. It very much, judging by Jimmer Fredette's tweets, it very much did seem like he so had I, Yeah, BYU I think he was quite surprised uh, by it as well. So I think BYU was definitely in it. I don't think Jeff Goodman was as informed as he thought he was because Jeff Goodman can get the hell out of here. Maryland, yeah. <laughs> Maryland was, I think, for, for all intents and purposes, Maryland might have been fifth out of the five schools. I don't know that they really played a large part. So a, a bizarre recruitment. There's a part of me that says Kansas State fans have the, probably the biggest reason to feel a little bit heartbroken, but then you think about that last 24 hours for BYU, and I think they might have got the largest shaft. Cole, your reaction? It was a roller coaster, uh, quite the saga of uh, events that we saw unfold. You know, I went – into last week still feeling good about him coming to Kansas State. Then as we started to text and hear more things coming out about it, became more skeptical that it was going to be K-State. And then you know, I think heading into the weekend, we, we thought it was likely going to go to BYU. Um, at least I did. Uh, and then the Goodman tweet today uh, didn't feel good about it. Then he corrects the Goodman tweet, start to think, okay, maybe K-State is still a player in this and that it may be K-State. Uh, then the, we see the NIL deal about glow balls, which I don't even know what the hell a glow ball is, uh, being manufactured in China. What the hell is that? I, I have no idea. Uh, ridiculous. Yeah. And so that, that comes out and I think I texted you guys. Well, that makes me think he may stay at Detroit, right? Because that's a manufactured outsourced NIL deal that Detroit probably wouldn't have been able to come up with, but they were able to outsource it to China. Basically, like you see with manufacturing, they outsource the NIL deal through Globals to China ridiculous to, to get a six-figure deal, and he's going to divide it up to his teammates uh, as well if uh, so that he can shoot 80% of the shots and try to pad his individual stats and get the scoring record. Can we talk uh, about the NIL deal not even being that good? Like, he has to sell the balls himself. Like, they're not selling it for him. Yeah, well, Cole, Cole, dive in. Cole, you did all this research, right? Okay, see, I pretty much just wrote this off, and I'll make my point about this later. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm disappointed. I don't think it's completely meltdown worthy, even for K State's team next year. The people that are trying to equate this to like a big picture college sports are burning. I don't think this is the case. This is not for a lot of reasons. This is not the one to freak out about. But no. Cole, I know you. You definitely went down the wormhole of like reading Mike Davis's comments, his father, who, of course, was the former Texas Southern and Indiana head coach. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about this okay. deal that Antoine Davis has with Global and the actual details of this thing. So I'm, I'm just going to read you straight from it here off my phone from a piece by Adam Zagoria. Mike Davis spoke to Adam Zagoria. Um, he previously had told the Detroit News his son would transfer because he could earn six figures in NIL opportunities. That's That's not surprising to any of us. Uh, and then he mentions, this is a direct quote, they're going to give him like 20,000 balls just to sell. And then he's going to give a percentage to his teammates, adding that his son could potentially make up to six figures in total. 
Here's another quote. His NIL is like the real NIL because he has to sell balls. He has to sell that basketballs that he wants to share with his team and with the other athletes on the campus too. That's the biggest part of the deal. Um, so that's uh, that's what he's got to do. He's got to sell the basketballs, I guess, to make a deal. Some glow yeah, in the dark what balls. If, what, if, what if he can't sell? <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine Look, this is a product that flies off the shelf. And, and here's the thing. I mean, I buy one. I, I, I got to be honest with you guys. Antoine's got a customer. <laughs> yeah, I got to be honest with you guys. I, I didn't, I didn't know who Antoine Davis was before all of this, right? And I probably should have, but I, I haven't watched a Detroit game on TV. And you guys know I watch a lot of basketball and a lot of random basketball. Very true. And I, I didn't. Know, so, what are the marketing opportunities here for him staying at Detroit? I mean, good for him. It's clearly, I think, it came down to a few things. Play for his dad again. I, I can totally understand that. Uh, he's got an opportunity to make some money while doing so. I would say that, and I don't know if you guys feel the same way, this is just my perception, that he entered the portal and he kind of played the game the right way and that his intention all along was probably to go back to Detroit. And he made a name for himself while in the portal. He boosted his followers. You look at his Instagram followers, they boosted a significant amount. Uh, he created a lot of engagements and impressions, and I think he boosted his value through that, got the NIL deal, then got the opportunity to go back to Detroit. You look at the quote from Mike Davis here today, and this this would this is the only thing that would have me concerned about Antoine Davis on Kansas State's roster. Don't get me wrong. This isn't sour grapes. I wanted him at Kansas State. But the first things that Mike Davis says about him returning and the key things, quote, first, he's trying to get the consecutive games 115 in a row. He's at 111 where he scored 10 points or more. Then he's trying to get the all-time three-point record, which he's 80 away from. And then he's trying to get to 3,000 points, which only 10 people got to 3,000. Then at the very end, he mentions, oh, yeah, and the NCAA tournament. So is it more about trying to set individual records? Would he have fit well? You know, is he going to be a high – he wouldn't have been a high usage – he wouldn't have been a high usage player at K-State, but he wouldn't have been nearly as high usage as he's going to be at Detroit. Uh, so it makes me think that that's a large part of it. And then, you know, just getting back to the other thing on the NIL deal, John and DY, Mike Davis says the on he said the Monday the NIL deal just happened to come through the day his son was announcing his future plans. Mm. That's the so he, he's saying that no, no, he may no. have been going elsewhere until that happened today. That this just came through today. Which well, um, if you believe Goodman, I mean Goodman did. He followed all this with a tweet. So he's the one that broke the Global thing, right? I mean, I guess Jeff Goodman has great sources in China at Global Industries. Um, he breaks that story and then comes back on the other side talking about it and, and was like, hey, it sounds like he was leaning toward BYU. But then, you know, at the last minute decided for whatever reason to, to go this route. So, you know, whether he's being spoon fed that by Mike Davis, I, there are a million things that could be happening here. One, he could be saving face for the fact that he tweeted out, he just blasted out there that Maryland was involved, which to anybody that closely followed this, you know, sounded very silly. Or two, he's being spoon fed the information by Mike Davis, and that's the narrative that they're trying to get out there. But I suppose there is Route 3 where his his source at Global Industries uh, was giving him that information as well. And, you know, you can take it or leave it for whatever it's worth. Just pointing that out. To I will. I want to make one last point, and and you guys have kind of hinted at this, and I agree. Um, this isn't to say I'm a huge supporter of what's going on out there with the NIL and the transfer portal. Some of it is a little cringeworthy to me, but I agree that 
this is not the hill to die on. And and to be honest, the Antoine Davis thing is probably pretty innocent in nature compared to a lot of the stories that we read about on a daily basis anymore. I mean, he actually, his NIL deal, even if it is technically tied to recruiting, even though it's not supposed to be, it still has a lot of the spirit of what NIL was intended to be when it was legalized. It's an actual marketing deal. Chinese throwing basketballs. You're right, Derek. It's it's an actual marketing deal, and he actually used it to stay at his school that doesn't necessarily have the same NIL opportunities, you know, in-house that even Kansas State would have. So in a way, he almost kind of created the playbook or blueprint in a, for, for some of these smaller schools to be able to hang on to someone of of that nature, of that caliber. But with that being said, I am still skeptical that this is going to be a very um, lucrative opportunity because he's got to sell these own balls. And like well, I said, I'm not sure this is a product that flies off the shelf. Well, yeah, let me, I, so I, I fully agree with you, Derek. I mean, there are a couple of things here. One, the initial response that I saw from so many people, K-State fans upset about this was like, oh, you know, college sports is doomed. K-State will never be able to compete in this era. Right. This this story, like the, the way that this happened, the way that it went down, should give you more faith that K-State can compete in this era because freaking Detroit Mercy competed in this era against K-State and BYU, who has a, a lot of money. I mean, the NCAA, that was one of the first schools they named in terms of schools that they were looking into. They had already at least started to send some feelers out there on their NIL stuff that's going on at BYU. Detroit Mercy competed here because they were able to outsource an NIL deal there. So this, this, if anything, should give you more faith, like bigger picture that case they can compete. And then if we're talking about like, you know, oh, oh this feels sleazy and he used the system. I mean, look, God, like how often have coaches leveraged their situations for more money or a better job or whatever? And they're doing it like behind closed doors where nobody is finding out about it until the last minute. Like th this is the kids finally having an opportunity to do that. And I'm not even I know, Cole, you kind of seem more on the side of like this was all pretty premeditated. I think there's probably an element of that. I don't know that I'm quite as cynical on like that's 100% how it went down. I think he may have gone through the process and been trying to feel it out and been trying to feel out what kind of deals would be out there like this global thing, right, that, that turns up for him. And at the end of the day, just decided, hey, man, if I can still make some money, stay at home with my dad and go chase the scoring record because I know I'll get that many shots up at, at Detroit, like I can understand how you would at least uh, arrive at that conclusion. So – um, and in the end, I mean, this is a kid that's staying at the small school, not bailing on the big schools for a bigger bag. I think he would have made more money for sure at BYU. Staying at the small school to play for his dad, go chase a record. I mean, honestly, like, that's a pretty cool story if you just remove K-State from it. So I, I would just I would just kind of beg of people to, to take your own feelings about it out of it that K-State did not land the kid and realize this is not – there are plenty of cases to, to be the hill to die on right now. If you think that college athletics is all going to hell, this this is not one of them for many reasons. The only part I don't love is you basically had to weaponize the transfer portal to do it. It just seems a little weird and it invites tampering, which we've seen. So I don't love that part. But I, I do appreciate to the point you guys made that he ended up going back to Detroit because he took a, a significant pay cut. And what he did, right? I would have been more sour on it if he went to a place like BYU. And then I know it's just purely about the money. So uh, he, he could have made a lot more at these other schools, I'm sure. And he chose to go back to Detroit, where he spent his previous four years and play for his dad. 
um, and not make nearly as much money and divide it among his teammates, which is what he says he plans to do. So I do have a, a you know, a decent appreciation for what he did do. I would have felt a lot more distasteful about it if he went to a place like BYU, because then I would have just felt like it was purely about the money. Which, you know, some of this is going to be, and I'm not saying that that those kind of decisions are not being made out there, but the, this one actually is like somewhat admirable because of that. I think the other thing, you know, people would want to know, and I'm sure there would be some pushback. Well, I mean, John, what, what about K-State's NIL deal? Like, why couldn't K-State just up the ante, offer more money? Again, I don't think this decision was ultimately about money in the end, but I would also say, and I know this is something you guys have really echoed, that I mean, I think K-State was certainly very competitive here. And, and I think at one point in time, it may have really been that Antoine Davis, if he was going to leave Detroit, would have been headed to K-State because of a competitive NIL deal and how the visit went down and all of those things. That's where I, I tend to be less cynical about the whole process being some totally preconceived plot like diabolical plot by him but even if it was again i would stress even if it was and this is where i come down very pro player here like the players have never had that kind of leverage those opportunities that's that's a pretty smart move honestly if that's what he did sucks for k-state but it's a pretty smart move and if a kid from k-state like if deuce vaughn were to to do something like that and then come back to k-state in the end like we would all applaud it and love it it's just kind of whether or not it happens to your school how, how great of a kid is Deuce Vaughn, though, to have not done that? I mean, just phenomenal that he didn't enter the transfer portal and try to go out to bid. I mean, I, I just love Deuce Vaughn for, and, and Felix and Adiku Uzama. I mean, these I know these guys are making stuff right now through NIL, but they could have made a lot more by entering the portal. And that's not to get off topic, but uh, really just a great, K-State fans should have a great appreciation for how they've done this and gone about it. Well, do, we, do either of you guys have anything to add on the financial front? Because I, I know we've talked about that a little bit before, but for anybody that might be freaking out and thinking this is some sign that K-State is not going to be very competitive in an NIL world, because my, my stance and my thought really hasn't changed on that. I think K-State still will be pretty competitive in uh, in said NIL world. I, I think they will be too. I think the, the fans that are skeptical of that will probably be skeptical until there is tangible evidence to suggest it. And there probably isn't yet. And if there, there might be already, it's just some of that stuff doesn't, you know, flow to the actual surface either. Yeah. I, I, I would just, I think we have pretty good information that Kansas state has uh, a lot of resources when it comes to name, image, and likeness. Uh, I think they've got a strong financial backing through the collective. So I'm not concerned at all about K-State competing on the NIL front. Uh, you know, I think if this was purely an NIL play, I think K-State would have been right there with Antoine Davis. I think they have the resources to compete for a lot of the top tier recruits in the country, you know, when it comes to, you know, I, I shouldn't say football because obviously they're not going to be out in Alabama or anything, but I, I do think they can be very competitive in the recruiting landscape based off what we know and the resources that we've heard they have. Well, so the problem you face now with basketball is, like, you do need somebody to literally score the ball. I mean, whether that ball is glowing, whether it was made in America, whether it was made in Russia or made in China, whatever. Like, somebody's got to put the ball in the basket. And uh, that is – well, I'm a big fan of Jarrell Colbert and Cam Carter and some of the names that we've seen already be, uh, you know, chased down by this staff. They need wings and they need guys who can score. Or, or else Marquise Noel is going to have to score about 40 points per game coming up this year. So – I understand being antsy about that. I mean, I'm a little bit antsy about that, even though it still seems like this coaching staff just projects a sense of calm about it. Like it does not seem to be panic within the walls of the ice family uh, basketball training facility, right. In Manhattan right now. So I still think 
you have to be a little bit patient here. I don't think it's some kind of massive indictment on this staff. I do think there probably is a dose of like, hey, we got real hot and heavy excited by the press conference, by some of the names that we were hearing, by the fact that Julian Phillips was going to come visit. Um, and then that didn't materialize. Now you lose Antoine Davis. It feels like a couple tough blows, some momentum going away. But I think like some of this is just circumstantial things that are out of their control and may not be indicative of a bigger picture deal. But I think another part of it is like just realizing, hey, as good a recruiters as these guys are, right? Yurik Malagy was recruiting at Texas last year. Like he's recruiting to Texas with Chris Beard and like a big time program there. So it's a little bit different when you're a team that's finished last or next to last in the Big 12 the last three years and you're just trying to get it jump started and going again and you don't have all those inherent advantages, right? I, I think there's probably just a little dose of reality with this that, hey, as good as this staff can be recruiting, and I firmly believe in them, firmly believe in them, and I still think Colbert, Carter, you know, getting a couple of the visitors like Layden Blocker, a top 50 kid in here this past weekend, like they're still doing great things, but they are probably going to have to go out on the court and actually like show something substantive on the court to really start to build that momentum and be able to unlock uh, some of the recruiting potential that they do have. Yeah. And the only comment I would have too, is what their hit rates probably what still 50%, maybe a little bit better or, or just around there. It's a pretty high rate when it comes to recruiting. I think you have to understand, um, especially when these become a little bit more national profile in nature um, and more, you know, hotly contested, you, the, the, the stakes are going to seem pretty high, but it's normal for even like the blue bloods to hit 30, 40% of recruiting battles. I mean, you, you're going to miss a lot. You can't get burned twice and think that the, the walls are collapsing either. So I think, um, I think that a little perspective is needed at times because, you just the recruiting is you have to have thick skin and a heavy stomach to really be able to consume it year in and year out all year, because that's just the way it is. But in terms of the specifics and maybe what's next and to shine a light on maybe some positivity or optimism or maybe a light at the end of the tunnel, I would say that, you know, sources have suggested to us that, you know, there's still around 30, 40, maybe even more kids than that in the, that are in the transfer portal that are also in the NBA draft process, which is a very weird time too, right? If they're really good enough players to be in the NBA draft process, why do they feel the need to transfer? But that's the world we're in. Um, I think, I mean, think about that. It's F.A. Abagidi from Washington State. Really good player. Could stay in the draft, but he's in the transfer portal. He's not going to stay in Washington State. Um, you know, I'm Blanking on some names here, but I think uh, the Mosley kid from Missouri State, another one. Obviously, he's going to transfer up, but another really good player that could stay in the draft, but it's probably going to stay in college basketball. Um, so there's still plenty of talent available that they should still feel good about their chances with. And if you, we, and I think what was a D. Scott Fritchin from Kansas State now, writing for Kansas State, I think he interviewed Coach Tang, who kind of hinted that they expected to get some late ads even at the end of June or the beginning of July. Yeah, and let me let me just say too, I mean, I want to emphasize here for anybody that would levy the criticism that you know this staff is has not proven their recruiting chops. Like in the last week, they've had Layden Blocker on campus, who is a four or five star prospect, depending on where you look, with a Kansas offer that Kansas legitimately wants. He he was on campus. He took pictures in K-State gear. He was on campus. So was Sean Phillips. I mean, DY, what what is Sean Phillips' highest ranking? Right 50. now, 
Number 50. 50. That's a top 50 player for 2022. Like those guys are on campus. They already landed Jarrell Colbert and Cam Carter as transfers. So if you take their recruiting profiles coming out of high school are, are either higher than anything Bruce Weber recruited, or at least at the very upper echelon of what you were recruiting under Bruce Weber. So like they have still proven the recruiting chops already with what they've been able to do, taking over a program that again has finished last or next to last each of the last three years. So I think that much you still need to have faith that these guys do have a plan and have a shot with some of those guys that you just mentioned. And, and Cole, I know you're a big fan of a lot, a lot of those guys too. I mean, I just have a lot of confidence and, and think that they have a belief in what they're doing and they're not going to panic. And we heard when we had coach Tang on three weeks ago on the podcast, you know, he talked about how they weren't going to rush things and that they knew the transfer portal, there'd be more guys entering it. Some of the best players would enter those last couple of weeks. He proved to be correct there. Um, so I, I think they're just really patient with how they're going about it. I mean, you would have thought, you know, maybe they would have had some 2022 kids in on visits this last weekend with Layden Blocker, but they focused on Blocker. And I think they'll probably bring in some, you know, 22 kids here in the next week or so. Um, and they probably have made some progress on some guys that we don't even know about at this point that, you know, it's kind of hard to, to gather some of that information and details, you know, Layden Blocker, you mentioned him you know, not only did they get him to visit, they got him to take an official visit. You get five of those. He took his very first official visit to K-State. He's a, a five-star by some services and the number 47 player by by rivals. He's he's taken a visit to KU as an official visit as well. So this is kind of the, you know, the fish Kansas State's swimming with right now in the deep sea with some of these battles with the elite programs in America. Um, yeah, I, I you look at guys they've had visit, is Antoine Davis the only one that's actually visited K-State that they've now lost out on officially? I mean, Sean Phillips is still up in the air, right? Um, he's visiting – he visited LSU this last weekend. He's visiting Georgetown this next weekend. And then on May 17th, he's making a decision. Uh, K-State is probably in his top three. He released a top five, but he, he's never visited Miami, so I'm not sure that's a concern. I think uh, K-State's squarely in the mix there for a top 50 player. Uh, and then – Davis is the only one that they've had on campus that they they didn't get. And obviously we just talked about the unique circumstances of that one. So I, I would not panic yet. I get that there is a little bit of anxiety about having seven scholarship guys on the team and we're getting closer and closer to mid-May. You want to have guys in place by June. But as DY just mentioned, you know, this NBA draft process is going to go on for the next few weeks. So they're going to probably exercise some patience and use confidence that they're going to, you know, get a couple of those guys that pull out of the NBA draft hope they can get them and they're in good enough position to do so. So I still trust in the staff. I mean, I, I think it's going to be fine. I understand that some fans might be a little critical now because they still don't have, you know, they don't really have a proven wing player yet. They need scoring. Um, Antoine Davis would have helped with that, but I still think there's options out there. I mean, you got a Moja Gibson. I think he'd be a big addition. Yeah. Um, and there's some, you know, obviously Mosley feels like a long shot because of his connections to some of the KU guys, but, you know, with Rodney Perry going to be the final assistant on the staff. I think K-State has a shot there. We'll see what they can do, you know, on the NIL front. Can they be competitive enough? They can divert some of those resources they were going to use toward Antoine Davis now, right, toward someone like Mosley. So there's still plenty of talent out there. It's just, you know, a matter of getting them to visit. And then I, I feel confident the staff will close on some of them. Two other names that might be worth bringing up. And one, we'll have to see. Yeah, I think he has to get a waiver to be immediately eligible. It's great Sherfield. Who was an elite scorer in Nevada? He's in the transfer portal and also the NBA draft process, like many others as well. I know he's been linked to Texas Tech, but he's also got a connection to Rodney Perry that that is an interesting one too. So that's one to consider. And I don't know if they want to bark down this 
tree or not, but Matthew Mayer from Baylor is in the transfer portal and in the in in the NBA draft process. So if he comes back, is is that an option? Jerome Tang's coached him for a handful of years now, so maybe that's an opportunity and that's an avenue as well. But that also brings me to another point. Like, here's what I don't understand some about the transfer portal a little bit, right? Like Matthew Mayer's had a really good career. If he comes back to school, why wouldn't he just stay at Baylor? So is he? He's already announced that he's in the portal and doing the draft thing. Yep. Yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing as you were rattling that off. I'm like, I, I would love to dream. I mean, look, I love Mayer as a player. I would love to dream about that. But you're right. Like you just say it out loud. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like if you're if you're a guy with just one year left, and look, I, I love K State. I'm not saying like why would you come to K-State? But I mean, look, like Baylor, that's a pretty well-oiled machine, right? Right. Now, he's still- there's no adjustment or anything. Like you just go play and you're yep. clearly going to be playing at a high level next year with a, with a very good team. But he seems insistent on leaving because he's been linked to North Carolina and Illinois already. Illinois. Yeah. What? Brad, go away. Go away, Brad. <laughs> Feels like every player that K-State gets involved with now, like Illinois is somehow – involved in there too go away North Carolina got Brady Manick it would, it would seem a lot like that if they got Matthew Mayer too well the, the interesting thing about Mayer though leaving I mean isn't this going to be his ear to really be kind of the go-to guy at Baylor I mean they've they've lost a lot of guys I mean Kendra's gone yeah but they are bringing in what Keontae George who's supposed to be a big time stuff uh-huh. for them yep so we'll see we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Well, either way, 
we are in a completely we're just in uncharted waters like all the way around so i think that adds to a lot of the anxiety here it's like no nobody in college basketball really is used to the current climate that we're in and it seems so crazy and there are a lot of things that are very anxiety inducing because they're just so damn new and nobody knows what to really ultimately expect here so i think that's playing into it there's probably also you know expectation wise we had all these visions when things were really popping off at first with, with Jerome Tang recruiting, we had all these visions of like the Bob Huggins 2.0 class where he had that whole year to recruit. And he's, you know, Michael Beasley, Bill Walker, OJ Mayo, Dewan Blair, Kevin Love, all these names that were linked to K-State at that time. And they, and they landed obviously a tremendous recruiting class. There were like these visions of recreating that, which were probably very unrealistic uh, in the first place anyway. So I, I think, all that it's like managing expectations and then managing this new world that we're in and managing a social media world where everybody, you know, has, has quick hot takes that they can fire off all the time. I think that's probably the source of a lot of the, the consternation here with basketball right now. So that's, that's my final word on it. Again, I would stress mm-hmm. these guys have still shown you a lot. They've still shown me a lot with the chops that they actually have recruiting wise. It's going to require some patience, but K-State is far from the only school that is in this position right now having to exercise said patience. In general, I think they're pretty calculated, and I think that's a that's a good thing to have and to be confident in. And this is probably a good segue because I imagine we're going to get into the football recruiting a little bit too, but you talked about uncharted territory, and I think a lot of it is with NIL, Transfer Portal, all of that going on. But it's May 9th, right? We're only six, seven months away from the initial signing period. I think in – you know, even a handful of years ago, maybe even not too long, maybe just a couple years ago, I think the average recruiting class for the current cycle right now in football would probably still be already be in the 13 to 15 range because I think you saw like a rush of commits, all, you know, a lot in football, at least in, in the spring portion of the calendar. And I think a lot of teams would be anywhere from like 12 to 14, 15 commits this time. I think Kansas State's been around 10 before a couple of different times that I've covered them. But I, I looked at it today in the team rankings just to see what, you know, that's a good way to see how many commits a lot of teams have. Man, there's very few teams that have a double-digit number of commits. I think at the top, you know, the first 20, 25 teams, I saw only two had a double-digit number of commits. One was Texas Tech. That's why they're number one. It's because they have 20 commits already. And the next closest is Notre Dame with 12, and everyone else is in the single digits. I think that shows you how much the recruiting landscape is changing in a flash because it's it's not typically that way on May 9th. Well, that's that's excellent perspective, uh, really excellent perspective. And it brings into focus now, yes, the football recruiting, which, you know, the what you're talking about, D.Y., is the class of 23 where we're, you know, K-State fans are waiting on Dylan Edwards and mm-hmm. uh, Avery Johnson, Joe Wadding, like this big in-state class. And, and obviously the dynamics on that continue to shift and swirl and nobody is willing to go ahead and make a commitment there right now again very par for the course um so take take that into consideration if you are frustrated that k-state hasn't landed a commitment from one of those guys there are a lot of prospects like dy said increasingly more that are waiting longer and longer but in the meantime if you're thinking about this 2022 team like what k-state's gonna have on the field now that's where this past weekend becomes massive because these holes and I, i think we even talked about it on the last pod like hey we're a little bit uneasy about this. K-State loses Marvin Martin at safety. They're really thin at defensive back. They're really thin at linebacker, at running back, a little bit at wide receiver. Like, what are they going to do in all these spots? Well, how about add four players from either the JUCO or transfer portal 
ranks that can just plug and play right away. This weekend, it all unfolded. Jordan Wright, junior college defensive back who had an offer from Florida State. Uh, junior college running back Anthony Frias, who TCU came in and offered at the last minute. Ole Miss transfer wide receiver Jaden Jackson, who was not very productive at Ole Miss, but had a nice recruiting pedigree coming out of high school and obviously was playing in the SEC. And then Prairie View A&M safety Drake Cheatham, who more accolades than Reggie Stubblefield had coming out of Prairie View A&M and gets the, the sauce boss seal of approval. And we know how well Stubblefield worked out for K-State last year. So I, there's really – I don't have – no notes. 10 out of 10, no notes. And I'm not saying all these guys are going to be stars – but K-State badly needed depth at every single one of these positions. And they went out and added guys that, like right now, I think that's that's as good as you're going to do um, for almost anybody, but especially, you know, a school in K-State's position right now. I mean, this has me feeling good about some of the momentum that's building up on the football front recruiting-wise. Yeah, I mean, they had a lot of their starters solidified already, right? I think we could all agree on that. You, you take the, the top 22 for Kansas State, and you probably feel pretty good about what they can throw out there. But it was just like a handful of spots. You're like, man, do they have a number two? Do they have a number three? And and in this day and age of modern college football, you need those number twos and number threes because the game is so fast. There's so many snaps. Now, there hasn't been for Kansas State in the past because they run a little bit slower offense, but that's probably going to speed up a bit too. But their defense is going to be out there for a lot of snaps. That's just what college football is. And it just feels like – Maybe they didn't go out and get world beaters, but it felt like they went out and just filled their needs and maybe completed the team enough to where they put their top end talent in position to compete for a Big 12 championship this year. Like they, like I think we felt like they had the top end talent. Like they, let's be honest, they have three potential All Americans on the team. I don't know when the last time we could say that Kansas State had three potential All Americans on their team. Who's the third? Oh, okay, BB. Okay, got BB, it. Deuce Vaughn, Felix, Andy, DK, Uzama. I mean, BB was the first team All Big Twelve last year. I left tackle. I think it's safe to say that he's an All American candidate as well. That's three All American candidates. You, not a whole lot of teams can say that. I mean, we could say that's rare for Kansas State, but there's probably very few Big Twelve teams that can say they actually have three legit All American candidates of that magnitude. So, I think just filling those needs, even if it wasn't world beaters, that really just puts themselves into position where they have the depth to possibly hang in there and compete for a Big 12 championship. And that was probably their goal. And let's not mistake this too. Their last, you know, six recruiting wins, I want to say, I think we can confidently say that five of them were against power five competition. They beat Iowa State in Kansas for Will Antio and Wesley Fair from Wichita. They beat TCU in two Pac-12 schools for Anthony Frias. They beat Utah for Jaden Jackson and they beat Florida State and West Virginia for Jordan Wright. So I also think you could take what happened over the weekend and kind of put it full picture. Is it's really start? They're really starting to turn the tide on the recruiting trail, in my opinion. I mean, the Jordan Wright one was startling, right? Dy. I mean, the guy he was on his Florida State visit, canceled his West Virginia visit, right at the time. And mm -hmm. you're thinking, well, he. I mean, the way these things usually go. He's not leaving Florida State without being committed. And then he basically leaves Florida State and commits to K-State within hours, right? I mean, that was that was shocking. Yeah, that's exactly and, uh, what happened. If you saw the dumpy facilities that Florida State was rolling out there, well, K-State too. Yeah, but but it's just it, – it's. I love Jordan Wright. I mean, I think it's a huge addition. Now, look, I'm not a, a scouting expert or anything, but I, I watched his highlight tape 
and his coverage skills are terrific. You know, I mentioned DJ Reed last week where it kind of felt similar. California Juco, sneak him in late, try to get him here. I'm not saying he's going to be DJ Reed, but but he's very talented. Um, you know, and, and I love, you know, some of the, not only in his coverage skills, but the kid plays so, so damn hard. I mean, there was a play where he missed a tackle on the kickoff return. He was the first player down the field, missed a tackle. The guy's 15 yards away from him, and he runs him down at the 50-yard line. Got up off the ground, ran him down. And then another one where the receiver, not his receiver, he came across the field and took just an impressive pursuit angle, pushed him out of bounds at the one-yard line, came across the field. I mean, he, he is so fast. His hips, everything, I, I think he's a terrific ad. And he gives them a good piece for two years, right? So if this is Julius Brantz and Echo Boydos last year, he gives you a guy that can be that fill-in that really takes over the lead at the cornerback position, but also is a guy that I would expect to play and rotate in a lot this year. I think it's a phenomenal ad. Yeah, I really like Drake Cheatham, you know, from Prairie View A&M. I, I'm, I would hesitate K-State fans. He might not be Reggie Stubblefield. He might not have the swag of Reggie Stubblefield. Who knows how that's going to go, but – he was all swack first team in 2019 and 2021. They didn't have a season really in 2020. So in the swack. So the last two years, first team all swack. And he had nearly 90 tackles in 2021. Five interceptions. Um, was a terrific player in that league. 5'10, 190 pound safety. And he's versatile as well. And the thing that I really like about him, guys, is in the big games they played. So this last year they played at Texas A&M midway through the year. He led the team with 12 tackles, had an interception. In 2019, they played at Houston. He led the team with 12 tackles, had a fumble recovery and a tackle for loss. So he has performed against the better competition when he was at Prairie View A&M and his coach just raves about him. I, I read an article last night. He's an engineering major. He got his engineering degree. He's incredibly intelligent. And he just spends a ton of time in the film room and is really a leader at Prairie View. So I think K-State's getting a great locker room guy like they had with Reggie Stubblefield. Um, I just think K-State really hit it well this weekend with the guys they're bringing in to plug those holes. Because as we talked last week, I feel like this could be a really good season for K-State. I think K-State has a shot to get to Arlington. But they had to plug some holes and get some depth. There's still a couple pieces. They need linebacker depth, right? Um, so there's some spots still to fill. But this was a big weekend that Kansas State had. Well, I mean, speaking of that, it's it's not totally done, right, D.Y.? I mean, they, they're they still on the, the lookout for a linebacker. Yeah, the, and they had one on campus, and Gavin Forsha from Tyler Junior College that they're waiting. Um, he's very much on the cusp of adding more big, uh, Power 5 offers, so that one could get interesting. Rutgers and USC have both visited with him today, actually, and are considering offering his mom is from California, so the, the offer from USC could be particularly Appealing. We'll see how that unfolds. They could bring in another linebacker on a visit too. It sounds like I just had some comments. I was going to agree with Cole there too on Jordan, Wright. I think the bonus there is getting him for maybe a second season, because if Julius Prince and Echo Boydo, Boydo are both out the door, um, you're going to need some immediate fill-ins at a corner. And he would be certainly what the doctor ordered in that regard. And I think they're pretty favorable about Omar Daniels and hoping he'll be that next guy as well. Um, the fact that, you know, they beat Forest Day for him and he was in Tallahassee over the weekend, that's a good thing. Uh, and, and it's interesting, right? Who were the other two uh, candidates that were highly considered and interviewed along with Chris Kleiman for the Kansas State job? Mike Norvell and Neil Brown. Those are the two two coaches they beat out for Jordan Wright. So a little bit of irony in, in that as well. So um, just a, yeah, a good, a good weekend. 
hopefully there's more. I think they're going to have two more official visitors this coming weekend as well, it sounds like, uh, not pinned down just yet. I also liked Cole saying swack over and over and over again there. That was interesting. Well, he's from the swack. What do you want? I mean, you know. Swack. swack. (laughs) It's like an onomatopoeia. Swack. It's very close to Mac. You know, we know how much Cole loves the Mac, so he can Swaction. emphasize it. Yeah, Swaction. You watch any Swaction last year? I, I, I can't say that I, I have watched uh, a lot of Swaction, but I, uh, I'm i going to need to get more engaged. Prairie yeah, I, we, we're, we're going to keep, tra- you know, recruiting the Swack. You need to do your, your homework. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna get a subscription to make sure I watch some Prairie View games. They're going to become the new pipeline for Kansas State. They're going to get a secondary player every year out of there. So well, if, if we learn anything from the Reggie Stubblefield saga, it sounds like they could probably use an SID, Cole. So I, you know, maybe. You can- oh my gosh, their website is a mess. I mean, I had to go. Well, I went through their website about Cheatham. They had 2018 <laughs> stats, and then I couldn't find anything else about them. I was like, 2018. I mean, uh, so I had to. I was. I was just looking. No wonder Reggie him. Stubblefield was a Pro Bowl or a Pro Prairie View. <laughs> and look, I'm so I. I'm sure the like the the budget there is not in place for like I'm sure there's some poor student or somebody who has seven jobs. I understand like how the media media relations world works. I don't I don't mean to belittle or make fun from that standpoint, but, uh, but it is did. funny that now you know back to well okay all right fine let me just go back to glow balls all right everybody focus on glow balls <laughs> make fun of the glow balls all right. Um, What's our oh. thoughts on uh, Jaden Jackson? We have that's probably the one we talked the least about, and he's the actual Power Five commitment, which well, is interesting. I was just about to ask you, like, how would you power rank who you expect the most from slash are most excited for? And like, honestly, I know you guys would expect, like, look, Ole Miss receiver, SEC, Lane Kiffin, nice recruiting profile coming out of high school. That he would he would be last on my list. Um, <laughs> I think I would agree. Maybe next to last. I mean, look, to me, the DBs stand out to me. I love the profile of Cheatham, especially a lot of that I'm sure is uh, colored by what Reggie Stubblefield was last year. But And then Jordan Wright, for obvious reasons, how the recruitment unfolded, the other offers that he had, like position of need, two years, all that makes sense. Um, running back, I was just so freaked out by the spring and nothing against Seawolf, Jax Deneen. But, you know, when Jax Deneen is having to run some as like the number two running back, I'm sitting there thinking like, oh, <laughs> like I – Listen, I mean, Deuce is amazing. Let's not get killed, and let's make sure that there's at least somebody to supplement there a little bit. So, you know, a a Juco running back that had a Power 5 offer and that you can sell me on, hey, teams were late coming on to him because of the fact that everybody is so hyper-focused on the portal now. Like that, I mean, that's an interesting piece of this too. Like the junior college ranks could be an area where K-State could get back into like mining a little bit and have a better time with it because everybody now is so focused on the portal. You can sell me on all of that. Jaden Jackson just wasn't very productive. So I, I don't know. I hope it works out here. I'm sure glad to have some depth and, you know, a guy with, with higher upside because I think they have a lot of high floor, low ceiling guys in the receiver core. And Jaden Jackson probably ups your peak range there. But, you know, we just haven't seen it from him at the college level. I saw some like nice practice clips that made me excited. But, you know, like you said, there's not a lot of game production. And this is three years, right? This isn't like, the one year maybe caught in a bad situation like Jarrell Colbert and Cam Carter on the basketball side, right? This is three years of Jaden Jackson playing in about eight to nine games. And he, he did score on Bama. Games. I saw he scored a touchdown against Bama. Yeah, I mean, there's that. Why don't you guys, why don't you guys stop slandering my guy, Jaden Jackson here? All right. <laughs> Jaden Jackson only got to play in four games in the last two years combined. That's unfortunate. 
But he did have four catches for 30 yards against Alabama this year when he randomly appeared in the game. And did you not watch the Outback Bowl against Indiana last year when he had four catches for 38 yards? Solid. And then he did it against Alabama his freshman year in 2019, had a touchdown and 28 yards. So, look, I, I think he's talented. Um, you just got to hope it clicks here. I mean, it's uh, obviously a wide receiver friendly system at Ole Miss and didn't really work out for him and had a, a quarterback in Corral who was talented. Uh, so that's unfortunate. I go back to his recruiting profile. He had offers from Auburn, Georgia, you know, all over the place, and uh, it just didn't pan out. So you just got to hope a fresh start works. I mean, K-State doesn't need him to be some bona fide star here. They just need him to be a, a solid, productive receiver that can maybe get you 300, 400 yards. And, you know, he, he still has the highest recruiting profile of any receiver on Kansas State's roster right now. So you just – you hope it clicks here, um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what to make of that. But Thad Ward liked him, um, so we'll be curious what he can bring out, bring out from him, and then Frias, the running back. I mean, look, I, he's a physical runner. He's he has good balance. Power uh, back, yeah, power back. Like his vision. I think he's work. the perfect perfect complement to Deuce Vaughn. I really do. That's why I would actually have him number two because I think he's a good fit to put with Deuce. And like Kurt said. Just, you know, I, a reason why I would have him number two of the four guys, too, you could make an argument they needed that one the most, yeah. aside yep. from corner. Yep. Yeah, I, and, and I think he's a guy, just from reading about him, is just going to really work work his rear end off and be in the weight room. and Three years you know, left. Yeah, yeah, three years left. And, you know, you watch his highlight. He's not – he doesn't have a huge burst or anything explosive, but he's physical. He has good vision, good balance. Uh, I think he's a good ad. I think he'll he'll be able to pass protect for K-State some as well and stay in in those situations. He even showed some nice hands flaring out of the backfield on his tape. So, yeah, I, I think it's a big addition, and it gives him a little more time, hopefully. Hopefully he can pick up the playbook quickly. Gives him a little more time with Giddens and Weathers, the the freshman running backs who redshirted. Yeah, he was just going to say that. Like, he he just buys you some time for the development process with the, the younger running backs on the roster. I mean – I feel like this is a caveat you have to add in any conversation like this in 2022, assuming that they stay, because it's very difficult to get guys that aren't playing to stay right now in college football. But assuming that they do, we've heard enough positives about, especially DJ Giddens, maybe Weathers as well, and I just haven't been as, as prudent to that information. But they seem to really like the potential that's there. It's just didn't feel like they were really ready to contribute at that kind of level yet this year. So this buys you some time, if nothing else. And then I receiver with Jackson. Here's my thing. Because of the upside there, you, you hope it clicks, like Cole said, but because of the upside, you can kind of squint at this wide receiver core, even with Shabaston Taylor's probable departure, and kind of see like a, a pretty solid group, assuming that the RJ Garcia hype turns out to be what they want it to be or that they think it can be. With Garcia and Jackson as your four and five, I think you'd much rather that than, I mean, who's been the number four, number five wide receivers the last few years. I think that's just an upgrade there. If yeah. the Garcia hype is real, if Jackson, if it clicks, no, it's a lot of ifs. And of course, Kate Warner, he came on late last year. There's no denying it. Kate Warner did come on late. Phil Brooks is steady Eddie and Malik Mills still has that potential that we hope at some day rises to the surface at a consistent level. But all I'm saying is you can look at the receiver group now and squint and see a possibly solid, productive group. And I think hats off to Thad Ward as well because he's really seemed to be leave a positive mark on that group in a short amount of time. And I would also imagine 
to punctuate this discussion about receiver, the shift in offensive philosophy that they're going with here, having Colin Klein run the offense and potentially, you know, I mean, they're talking about being more uh, up-tempo, certainly spreading the ball around more. They can show the tape of what they did against LSU. I mean, that has to help here, right? Like, are they yeah. are they landing Jaden Jackson if Probably not. everything is the same as last he's a, year? He's at least going to visit Utah, right? In that scenario, he would at least visit Utah. He was offered by Utah out of visit, official visit scheduled to Utah the week after. He's at least going to take that Utah visit in past years. That's why I kind of see, you know, an upgrade in the recruiting level. That like they they've kind of picked it up. And at this point, not sure if you guys would agree. This is probably an interesting wrinkle to discuss. I feel better about the wide receivers than I do the tight ends right now. Oh well, yes, absolutely. And I, I was my initial reaction if you were watching on YouTube and saw my face there when DY said, "Hey, you can squint and see a decent receiver room." That probably is a little bit harsh because I'll be honest, you made a good case there. You laid it out and made a pretty good case. It's just. It's been so long. I mean, it's 2014 is the last time K-State had a good receiver room, right? I mean, is there is there any denying that? 2014 when it's Curry Sexton, Tyler Lockett, and they both had 1,000-yard seasons? I mean, they have not had a good receiver room since then. So it's just it's kind of one of those. 17 or, 18, 17 or 18 wasn't bad, right, with Byron Pringle? I guess but like Pringle and Zuber, yeah, yeah, okay. And they had Dalton Schoen with them. Mm-hmm. It wasn't bad. Yeah. Yeah, those they were okay. I mean, look, I'm I'm happy. Isaiah to Harris it. before he got the doghouse. Yeah, Isaiah yeah. Harris. Okay, I mean, come on, we we jumped the shark. And we're gonna... well, do you guys remember where where we were at? Like, was it Charlotte or Central Arkansas where those receivers just went off? I, I think it was the 2016 season, and I found myself saying, "Oh my God, K State has so much talent at receiver. I don't even know how they get all these guys on the field." Remember that was when they had the uh, the four star kid from Texas. Who was his name? The six Carlos four. Strickland. Carlos Strickland. Carlos Strickland. Oh, Carlos. Right? So he, he um, got he's a transfer from Cal, but transferred out. Yeah. Oh, there there were a lot. And then what did Bill Snyder remember? Carlos Strickland's name. Bill Snyder called somebody Carlos Strickland, right? Okay. Well, there you go. I was trying to dance around it, but Dy just burnt. Look, Bill, well, I tried to protect you. I tried to protect you, but well, I think it was Sebastian Taylor, wasn't it? Sebastian Taylor and Carlos Strickland. He got mixed up. Yeah, I think I think yeah, you're I right. Think, uh, well, they're both tall. So, uh, but you know, they had Carlos Strickland, they had Zuber who was playing as a true freshman. They had Pringle in his first year. We all heard the hype about him, uh, you know, and I'm just, and Isaiah Harris and I'm just thinking. Isaiah, I remember this, Isaiah Harris had a big game. In he had a hundred, over a hundred yards. He was just, I was excited for him at, at one point in time, but that I, I believe he burnt central Arkansas. Was it central Arkansas? Guys? I mean, uh, I, if that was central Arkansas, they just got it bad. They got Isaiah Harris and I, Byron Pringle, like, Go routes. They got Mike McCoy running them over. It was just oh, like I, the the well, that, that was Charlotte. Football. Now we're mixing things up. That was Charlotte. Okay, don't you put that on Central Arkansas. That was Charlotte. Yeah. Well, I just remember having to cover a K State women's basketball against Central Arkansas one time, and their mascot was the Sugar Bears, and I had to write the Sugar Bears in my story multiple times. So that one really sticks with me. I don't get <laughs> We've gone off the rails now. Yeah. I, look, DY should just – I'm just happy they address receiver because DY heard me in the press box in the West Virginia game in 2019. Just, I was just complaining relentlessly to have that they weren't ever addressing receiver. Uh, they had too many guys on scholarship that maybe didn't warrant it. And so Cole, did you watch the first me. play of that game? They hit like an 80-yard home run to a receiver. Yes, I did. Yeah, that was great. And thanks. <laughs> Things did not go well in the Landry, Landry Weber had like an insane one did. on the sideline. Yeah, in that yes, game. he did. I wasn't complaining about some of the, yeah, yeah. We won't name names, but there were some other guys that I, uh, I took issue with that were on scholarship. 
So, anyways, what Cole taking issue with scholarship player? I don't. I have never <laughs> complaining. Never hey, this is the I, new I, and improved. And then going back to to what we were originally talking about too, in regards to the tight ends and my concern there. In their defense, I don't think there's been a whole lot of avenues open to them to upgrade that spot. So it's not like they're stubbing their toe or taking a nosedive. I just tight ends kind of the position this year where it's like you know, there's nothing in the junior college market or the transfer market. I think Alabama just took a, took a kid from Kansas that was at Hutchinson Community College last year that had three catches and it took him wow. on scholarship. So you- that's how that's how desperate teams are at tight end right now. Well, th- you, this is where I would just say that they need some of these young. I mean, how many young? Like, it's been like what? Like Will Swanson, Cody Stuffel being. I mean, I don't even know where he's Cody Stuffel being on defensive line okay. now. Okay. I was like, I feel like he moved to switch position. But they had, you know, they, how many? Connor Fox. Yeah. Connor Fox. He's Connor been Fox, hurt. But there's another. Hurt one. Like, who, there's another young tight end that they've had in the program. I mean, this is where I would just say, like, you, you got to develop them. Like, yeah, they, well, they have, have to be ready to play. They still have Samuel Wheeler, Connor Fox, and Will Swanson, those three, and they'll bring in two freshmen. Christian Moore. That was the other one I was trying to yeah, think He's of. kind of a fullback. But and then the and then uh they'll have Braden Lofton and Garrett Oakley arrive in the summer. Uh, Oakley has a lot of potential. I mean, I, I think we all like just, yeah, I think yeah, we like him, but it'll probably be a little early. He's got to put on some weight, right? Now yeah. Wheeler's obviously got to stay healthy. We know he's been banged up throughout much of his Fox, career. So uh, Fox, Fox did, did did he break both of his feet last year? Yeah, I think he has. I think he has a broken foot again. Like Fox, what? Is, yeah, it's like Connor Fox has not been healthy. Has he like, been practicing in the basketball practice arena? Is it, <laughs> what, what, what is going on? All right. well, there's there's a great discussion topic. Does the does the foot curse leave with Bruce Weber? Does it stick around with your own tang? Do they need to still burn the practice facility? Down? They just gave it to Connor Fox. No, and not that it's Connor Fox. I think he could be. He looks the part. Don't get me wrong. He really does. He is someone that is really put together, but I don't know that he's been healthy at Kansas State in his entire yeah. career for nine straight months. It just hasn't do, happened for him. Do, do you think, D.Y., they move Ben Sennett to tight end more and put him in? I mean, they they seem could. Really love him. He's, he's kind of like that H-back guy that can kind of move around. He's just perfect. They think he's going to play on Sundays, though, I'll tell you that much. Like, well, he's that yeah. special talent. Yeah, I knew they they loved him, and so certainly you think they'd get creative with him at least, with maybe some of the lack of weapons in the tight end room. So yeah, he's athletic. Help. Ben Sinnott's a Ben Sinnott's going to be someone the fans are well aware of by the end of 2022. They probably should already be. This staff loves him a lot. Well, that I'm, I'm glad you bring him up. I knew that, but had forgotten that. That makes me feel a little bit better about tight end. And I, I think they're. I think the point is like right now they they have a lot of weapons to play with. Now you know. We have done this before, like Cole was saying, with the 2016 receiver conversation where at K-State, we're not used to having very nice, shiny objects on the offensive side of the ball, so you get a couple guys that, you know, you can kind of squint and see it, like a little bit of a gleam there, you know? Maybe to rub it down. So we we get very excited about something like this, but it does seem like they have a lot of options for Colin Klein to play with here offensively. Yeah, in the you you mentioned how you guys kind of did that with the 2016 receivers. We, we've kind of done that with the running backs a little bit, right? Now they're all gone. Like we had the Mike McCoy thing that was unfortunate, then the Joe Irvin and Jacardia, right? Now they're all gone. So, and that's why they had to add Anthony Freeze. Yeah. Uh, can I can I throw in one last kind of totally random note to end the podcast on here? Because I'm I don't even think we've discussed it in our group chat, and I'm very interested to see how you guys react to this. Oh gosh, this is on live television. <laughs> it, it is, yes, live live YouTube television. Uh, did you see who went to a rookie camp tryout and actually did get? Like a, at least a camp deal. 
like impressed um, enough there to get no, a shout out. Yes, I did. I know what you're talking about. It's Jonathan Alexander. It is Jonathan Alexander. Uh, your Chicago thoughts Bears. on Jonathan Alexander showing out at the Chicago Bears rookie minicamp. Well, I was going to text it to you guys when I saw it last night when he said he got a three-year deal, and I was saying, say, there's no way in hell he got a three-year deal. Um, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't I know. I don't believe that. Like, he, he said he got a three-year deal? It, it yeah. says, like, it's on Twitter or something. About he said that. he was going to show out for the next three years for the Bears or something along those lines. So I just uh, saw somebody tweeting that he impressed enough to get a deal, which I assumed meant – and this is, I mean, I'm out over my skis, I'll be honest, but I assume meant like he gets an invite back to training camp and there's no real guarantees, but he will, he will get an opportunity, which you're not guaranteed that if you're just not, I mean, they invite a ton of rookies to these rookie mini camps. There's no guarantee of that at all. So he, I just figured he made it through one barrier, but you know, judging by what the opinion was of him when he left K-State, I, I was a little bit surprised. I wish him the best, but yeah, I will say it's never been. Although I never thought he was like a, you know, like a superstar. It's it's not always been about the physical attributes. No, I mean you're right. No, he's he, he's got some physical attributes. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. It, it, John, it says here his pen tweet officially a Chicago Bear for the next three years. You gotta. Are, are we gonna take that with a grain of salt? <laughs> well, I don't know why you take anything he says with a grain of salt based off his history, but. Sure. <laughs> yeah, he's the most believable guy. Uh, Bears might want to talk to the K-State coaches uh, about what might happen to that locker room. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, maybe Byron Pringle might might know something through the grapevine. I don't know. Uh, Duke yeah. Shelley. Yeah, oh, you're right. You're right. Duke Shelley and Byron Pringle there. Yeah, I don't know. Hey, that's their prerogative, not mine. Um, we just gave you like an hour-long show here. Uh, I feel like – I feel like the football stuff I was getting more excited about than basketball because we've been focused so much in on uh, basketball. So I'm excited to get some football talk in. At some point, we got to discuss, look, man, the, the, the Vegas uh, preseason Big 12 title odds are starting to roll out. K-State's like 50 to 1, uh, next to last in the league in some cases. Yeah, like haters, haters. Ooh, some haters. Texas sitting up there at number two. Ooh. 50 to 1, that's, that's great value. Yeah, go snatch that up. Go snatch that up. There is a lot of value there. Uh, thanks for listening once again. We appreciate uh, 360 Vodka Holiday Distillery. Check out the new bourbon that they have coming out. Uh, always appreciate their support here on the podcast. Go get yourself a glow ball. You know what? If I can figure out how to get a glow ball and it's a reasonable price, I will buy a glow ball and show it to you on camera here uh, on a future three mod pod. Okay. So uh, take that. Bad. I'm only buying a glow ball if it's a Kansas State athlete that's got to deal with it. Then I'll buy one. I'll so. buy an Elevate hoodie. Well, we, we we need to work on those Elevate hoodies. Yes. Uh, well, I I photo them. I I drew one up, and Dy's response when I sent you the picture was, uh, "LOL" or uh, "Oh my god." I didn't know if that was a good thing or not. He didn't like my design of the uh, Elevate hoodie. <laughs> Apparently, John didn't either. All right. Well, uh, I mean, it was fine. It was fine, but I would rather just get a legit one. You know, okay. I'd, I'd rather earn it. I feel like that's cheating. I'd rather earn it. Stolen valor. We can't steal the valor of the Elevate hoodie. We've got to find a way to earn it. So we've got to do good enough podcasting here that we earn an Elevate hoodie. Uh, all right. We've been here long enough. Thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, sticking with us while we jumped the shark today. Appreciate Tucker Franklin, all of his work behind the scenes. As always, we will talk to you next time on the Three Month. 
It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com